Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I like doing it. You know, I love running routes. I'm not playing in your league unless I can draft myself. (laughs) (laughs) Looking forward to facing your mom at some point. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. (laughs) Thank you. Someone clip that. Because I know there's some guys who are like, oh, no, you know, I'm I'm sticking to my diet. Well, I'm going to plan. I'm going to plan to make sure that I can have a plate. It's Tuesday, December 6th, and the waiver wire is surprisingly frisky for this late in the season, probably because uh, there's a lot of injuries. It feels like injuries are piling up around the NFL. feels like week 13 was particularly brutal, but that's always the case this time of year. I'm not going to act like that's anything unique or anything interesting. What is interesting is the man that I have here beside me digitally to recap the waiver wire, to talk all things news, everything you need to know right now. It's the Sultan of scrambling quarterbacks, Andy Barons. Andy, Sultan, that feels pretty good. Oh, that's a huge upgrade. I think I was a peasant like a minute ago, and I, this is a meteoric rise to Sultan, so that's awesome. Um, can, I just, can I just tell you that I hate uh, week 14 buys? Like, that, Yeah, pretty just, aggressive. I mean, that's just really cruel. Like six teams out in week 14, and uh, it also happens to coincide with like one of the worst injury weeks of the year. So this is... Uh, this is bad. This is bad. I got some teams that need some reinforcements, and the names could be better. It's not quite as bad as last week, but it's pretty bad. Also, by the way, they're like, uh, I mean, this is kind. Of, it's kind of hit or miss in terms of like teams we care about, right? Like the Falcons, the Bears. Uh, obviously, why you're the Sultan of scrambling quarterbacks is you avoid Justin Fields. <laughs> obviously, uh, they're on by the Packers, though. They've given us some life. The Colts, they've got some dudes we care about. The Commanders. Definitely dudes we care about. And yeah. The Saints. I mean, there's a few. There's two, right? I mean, if, well, if you care about Kamara, I don't know. He's probably tearing it up on Monday Night Football as I'm saying this. But, uh, you know, not going so great for you. But still, there's some dudes there. Uh, and six teams is a lot. Oh, it's a t- it's a ton this time of year. And with the exception of Atlanta, like maybe you were already looking for reasons to send every Atlanta player to the bench. I get it. Um, but everybody else has somebody who's an actual star, um, regardless of how their seasons have gone. Like you're counting on like I'm planning to lean on Justin Fields in a handful of leagues. People are leaning on Christian Watson, right? Like even the bad teams right. have stars. So this is just, this is just a rough timing. This is a brutal week. Yeah, very unfortunate timing. All right, before we get to the waiver wire and hopefully uncover some guys that can help you out during this week 14 by uh, apocalypse, I'll call it a by apocalypse simply because of the timing. Not that there's any good time to have an apocalypse, but certainly not good timing here in week 14. (laughs) 
We do have to get to a few pieces of news items here on Monday afternoon. Ravens head coach John Harbaugh says Lamar Jackson, he's dealing with a knee injury, is unlikely to play in week 14 against the Steelers. You know, when Harbaugh said his injury is days to weeks, I'm like, okay, well, that means weeks. <laughs> he's he's definitely not yeah. playing this week. Andy, obviously, one of your quarterback uh, recommendations is Tyler Huntley uh, for the waiver wire, which I totally understand. However... I talked about this with Scott last night. I like Lamar Jackson was the one relatively interesting thing. And even he wasn't producing up to standards. We know the lack of touchdown stats has been floating around since week four. He, he was the one relatively interesting thing about this completely uninteresting offense. Now you're telling me like Tyler Huntley is going to take over an offense that is giving Deshaun Jackson real reps, giving Kenyon Drake real reps. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking no thanks to basically every Baltimore Raven rest of the way. All right. I mean, when you frame it that way, uh, it seems it seems a little bleak. Uh, part of, part of the reason to have still had optimism for Jackson and for for Baltimore's offense generally was going to be this the the you know series of games that they had available down the stretch. Right. It's uh, you look through the end of the fantasy season. It's Pittsburgh. It's Cleveland. It's Atlanta, and then it's Pittsburgh again. So these are all exploitable matchups, you know, some of them friendly against the pass, some of them friendly against the run. You don't really like with Lamar, you don't like whatever he can do. He can do whatever is necessary. Um, Huntley's a little bit the same way. And I don't, I don't even have like a lot of quarterbacks though. I got, I got like two guys in our working document for this podcast yeah. that I actually feel okay about recommending for the week ahead. Huntley is one of them because in, um, you know, he took four starts last year and in every game he had at least 40 rushing yards. A couple of those games, he had 70 plus rushing yards, you know, it was 41 and a touchdown, uh, just this past week. So like the rushing stats absolutely going to be there. The defensive matchups ahead are not intimidating. Um, so it's a, you know, this was going to be like, you know, I'd, I'd had Lamar in a bunch of leagues. I'm sure other people out there have Lamar. The, the Ravens obviously have a, it's a bigger issue for the Ravens than it is for me in my fantasy portfolio, obviously. Um, but like this next month was going to just be spectacular. Like you'd, you'd come through some, you know, some, some bumpy weeks, but this was the stretch that was supposed to be really great for Lamar. So, uh, bummer to see, cause he's obviously one of the league's most exciting players, I don't, I don't know what percentage to put on Huntley. Is he, I don't know if he's 80% of Lamar. I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to do that math. Scott is always better at, at throwing out percentages than I am, but there is some, there is some appeal to the fantasy profile, uh, in large part, because we know we're going to get some rushing stats out of him. Totally. And that's fair. I, I just think he's going to have a lot of passing lines that look exactly like what we got um, oh, week 13 100%. against the Denver Broncos, you know, 187 yards, 5.8 yards per attempt, because I think what was different, I mean, what's clearly so different about this year versus last year is like last year when Tyler Huntley, like all those splits about Mark Andrews going around, you know, like Mark Andrews was awesome last year. I don't think Mark Andrews has played as well this year as he has last year. And obviously he's been dealing with injuries, but also like Rashad Bateman was a part of the offense back then. Marquise mm -hmm. Brown was a big part of the offense, obviously, back then. And now it's like, we're again, we're talking about Devin DuVernay and Demarcus Robinson are the clear-cut one and two receivers here. And that is it's, it's a huge, huge problem for this team. Oh, it's an enormous problem. Uh, like, spoiler alert, I do not have Demarcus Robinson on this list again, <laughs> again this week. I'm just not like, I know that volume sometimes flows his way, but but I I mean, I agree with you. I don't, I don't really see any possibility of like a three-touchdown game in this offense. So... They're going to have to win in low scoring games where, you know, that probably look a lot like the 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 win in week 13. Right. Um, and hopefully Lamar is back relatively soon. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, 
just again, a bad timing for talk about bad timing, bad timing oh. for Lamar in the middle of his contract year. Uh, although not that it matters. Like he'll he'll either get paid by Baltimore or he'll get paid by somebody. It, it's yeah, well, the good thing here is it's not it's clearly not going to be a you know, hopefully I don't jinx this in some way, but it doesn't seem like it's a catastrophic injury. It doesn't seem like it's no. going to be, you know, even if it's a multi-week injury, it doesn't seem like it's something that's absolutely going to cost him the playoffs or the season. So this, this doesn't feel like something that that drags into into 2023 and we have to we have to worry about it or the team that signs him has to worry about it moving forward. You know, just last note on the Ravens, it's hilarious that um, they're, you know, now longtime offensive coordinator Greg Roman is, you know, interviewing for the Stanford job, being considered for the Stanford head coaching job. And it feels like just about every Ravens fan is like, good luck, Greg. We're really rooting for you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm not I'm not sure what Tank's read on that is. Um, I haven't I haven't heard his perspective on uh, on Roman as a potential hire. But yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, we that's, should, we should have asked the, him on Sunday. It feels like a great fit, though. Like you know, old Stanford Brian. I mean, that's that's what he's great at. He's an awesome run game designer. It just these passing games always go incredibly stale. And in, you know, and within like two, it's like the first two years, good stuff you build around that scrambling yeah. quarterback, and then two years later, like the two guys are running into each other because the route concepts don't make any sense. That'll work in college. I just feel like he's, totally. I feel like it'd be a great fit. I feel like it'd be a great fit for Stanford. Also, also seems pretty clear to be an offense in which like the game's best receivers don't necessarily want to play. Right. So like attracting free agent talent is probably, I mean, I'm, I'm sure people would be interested in playing with Lamar Jackson, but perhaps not in the current version of the Ravens passing game. Yeah. And it just, Roman is a guy that is just, going to do enough because again his run games are great like the design of his run games are really good and unfortunately we've just been dealing with like absolute goofball talent um <laughs> the last two years at the running back position you know and, and a lot of injuries as well injuries causing the emergence of the goofballs like his run game designs are really really good it just this is what this is exactly what happened in san francisco this is exactly what happened in buffalo and it's it's just the ravens have held on so long because i think Roman again has just enough to keep him around. This would almost be like because I want to see Lamar Jackson in a different offense and a different design yeah. offense. Just as you know, it's one of those things, right? Like, um, I, we'll talk about Tua here in just a second, but like I wanted to see Tua in a different offense than whatever the hell the Dolphins were doing the past couple of years to figure out more about him. We figured out more about him this year. I'd love to run that same experiment with Lamar Jackson. So we if, shall see. If somebody produces a a retrospective, uh, a look back at uh, the Ravens' twenty twenty two seasons emergence of the goofballs would not be the worst name for it i'll say that yeah you're not wrong about that right like demarcus robinson gets cut from the raiders doesn't make their <laughs> roster the raiders are rolling out mac collins with the serious face every single week and demarcus robinson is like the most important outside receiver for this Ravens. i mean they've got wow. they've got like the whole raiders discard pile here we've got Kenyon drake here we've got demarcus robinson it's it's fantastic keelan cole will be uh their number one receiver <laughs> next year so um enjoy that ravens fans all right I mentioned Tua. I wanted to talk a couple things about the Dolphins here. The Dolphins placed right tackle Austin Jackson on injured reserve. He missed the Week 13 uh, game against the San Francisco 49ers, along with left tackle Teron Armstead. Uh, Miami is reaching the point of their season where they're signing former number one overall pick Eric Fisher. Not a fun point of your season to reach. I want to kind of just have a conversation, use this to have a conversation about Tua. Because obviously he's been a polarizing player. He's a fun guy to talk about, fun guy to discuss. And I I wrote in my Care Don't Care recap piece that like, okay, we don't need to sit here and say like, all right, Tua did not perform well. 
against the San Francisco 49ers defense. That defense was awesome. That's the book on him. We were like the haters were right all along about Tua. I think that's silly, but it certainly can be like we're still. In, I think we're still in the discovery phase of finding out. Like Tua is obviously good, but how good is he? Type of thing. How much does these offensive line injuries? Because you know, two tackle injuries certainly problematic. Especially Austin Jackson going to miss four weeks now. Does this change your thoughts about the Miami passing attack um, from just like a ceiling perspective? Because we know these guys are good players, but again, it's a how good are they? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a ding, right? Right tackle for a left-handed quarterback is a is a thing. Um, that, that is a little is a little bit of an issue, uh, and uh, it, it seemed going into the week that uh, that his injury was a little bit more serious, uh, obviously than than Arm said. So. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's super unfortunate. They are coming off a tough game. I thought it was, you know, if it was a, a litmus test, uh, at all, it, it's because, you know, there, if you're in the AFC, you've always got, you, you've kind of got the chiefs hanging over your head. You've got Buffalo hanging over your head. You know that you're going to get in games where, you know, you're going to face frisky defenses and you're still going to have to put up points. And like the chiefs put up a huge number on the Niners. Right. Um, and, and like, that's what the elite offenses do. And so it kind of, maybe it, maybe it told you that you're not quite there. Um, I, I will say it's not like the, the, the most successful, some of the most successful passing plays in Miami's offense are not like slow developing plays, right? Like yeah. two has been so good on short stuff on intermediate stuff to, um, receivers that are, that are fundamentally uncoverable. So, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a disaster. I don't think it's ruinous. Um, we'll, we'll learn some things against the chargers in what should be a really fun matchup. Um, it's bad though, you know, again, uh, he was a left-handed passer and he lost his right tackle. And that's, uh, that's about as bad as it gets in terms of offensive line injuries. Yeah. Uh, you're so right that like, there's not a lot of slow developing plays, stuff like that. Like it's insane that Tua averaged like 11 air yards per attempt yesterday, but still had like a 2.4 time to throw, like getting yeah. the ball out fast and still taking shots, which I do think it was great to see him still taking the shots. Cause he was obviously bothered by the pressure. He made mistakes under pressure. There's no doubt about that. The 49ers have a great defense though. Like, yeah, this is one of like, I don't think we should act as if when a great defense goes and puts a great offense in a blender that it's like, oh, well, that just something happened to the offense. Yeah, what happened to the offense is they played a badass group of guys there in San Francisco, right? So I, I think that things can look better for Tua. I, th I was encouraged, though, that he was continuing to like push the ball down the field, um, getting it out fast, all the type of things that we're used to with him. Like, again, I don't think this was a huge referendum game on Tua, but it, it's right. it's just where this offense is at right now. They uh, they had some terrible moments that were not really on Tua, right? Like Jeff Wilson had some brutal moments, uh, like it fell down on a route, right? Like there's there's just some stuff that and then that snowballs when you're facing a great defense, because one of the hallmarks of a great defense, is they take advantage of every damn thing that you do wrong. Right. And that's that's certainly what the Niners did. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, we'll just keep an eye on that situation. Uh, what their plan is at offensive line. I certainly trust. Um, Mike McDaniel is a guy to keep things moving, yeah. like keep it keep it in the right right direction. So yeah, that Chargers game. By the way, the Chargers defense, not exactly a like probably on the other end in terms of intimidating uh, group. I, I think Tua and these guys will be fine against that defense. Uh, my God. There's got to be some tough conversations going on in that. Uh, you're you're so right to Chargers point out building. that I mean McDaniel seems like he would be like he's the guy that would have the exact right attitude to get you through a season without you know extreme highs and lows right like and 
the NFL is a is a league where just every week feels like a like a referendum on you know your key players on the you know uh, there's a million people uh, producing power rankings each week and and McDaniel <laughs> even though he seems a little like I don't know maybe I'm sure there's people who would find him uh, players uh, with the Dolphins who might who might find him a little strange little little unlike any other uh, head coach they've ever had he seems like somebody. Um, who, you know, at the very least, I would enjoy playing for, where you're never too high or never too low. Well, I saw uh, Chris Long point this out on Twitter, like a clip of McDaniels on the sideline and, you know, telling players, like, I effed up. Like, I that that's on me. Yeah. I effed up in the middle of the game. Um, and he was saying, he's like, you just don't see coaches do that very often. Like, I know afterwards, obviously, a lot of coaches will, you know, Sean McVay watches these preseason boys go out there and run his offense on a weekly basis at this point. But every game after the media is like, I got to do better. I got to do this. I got to do like coaches yeah. do that with the media, but to do it in the middle of the game, like I think that that point from Chris was well taken that like he's just that. Yeah. A, a good coach, by the way. Here's the take. Good coach. Mike McTain. Yeah. <laughs> um, another non-surprising thing we've got in the outline here today. We've got a weird injury update from Pete Carroll. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I mean, just beautiful stuff. Uh, Pete Carroll said that Ken Walker didn't sprain his ankle. He just, quote, jammed his ankle, called it an unusual injury. Um, I think he said something, too, about, oh, we'll have to see what that's all about. Uh, great stuff there. Now, it's possible Ken Walker plays this week, according to Pete Carroll, but they don't know yet. That sounds like the most Pete Carroll uh, injury update of all time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, how many how many players over the years has uh, has Pete Carroll um, said of them they, they, like they were doing great, like weeks before they had to retire. Right. Um, so right. you can you can just absolutely never take his assessment of an injury um, in terms of, you know, the actual uh, trajectory of healing uh, as as any sort of gospel. Um, it does sound a little unusual. Um the the jammed ankle i mean we're we're accustomed to you know as as far as ankle injuries go fantasy managers are usually like is it is it high is it low um right, i don't yeah. have i don't have a category for jammed i don't know what to do with a jammed ankle i know if it's a low ankle sprain they can usually treat it and i'm not worried i know if it's a high ankle sprain i'm panicked and um is this going to cost him four weeks six weeks is this going to be something that the dogs him all season uh i I don't know what to do with a jam with a jammed ankle. The other thing I don't know what to do with is uh, it, there's not a clear recommendation behind Kenneth Walker either, right? Um, DJ Dallas also got hurt in this game, had to play through it uh, after they after they tagged him as as doubtful to return. Um, I know that Travis. Was interesting. Yeah, Travis Homer already wasn't playing because um, he had a knee issue. He had, a, I believe, an illness uh, during the week. We're also not talking about guys who are uh, talents on the on the level of Kenneth Walker. Um, you know, Tony Jones is kicking around there uh, at his usual like sort of two yards per carry. Uh, I think he got banged up as well. So like there, there's just not there's not another option here. Um, and I, I don't know if they can grab a guy off the street. I don't know if we'd feel any better about a guy off the street. But there's there's nobody else in this picture who looks anything like Kenneth Walker. So we definitely need to walk her back. Yeah, and I thought DJ Dallas actually made for a good stash um, going just because I thought he'd be the clear backup. But yeah, the injury in that game certainly muddles things. Yeah, it was like, oh, he's not like he's doubtful to return. And then he was back there. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, you know, Tony Jones. Yeah, you're, that's a perfect way to describe old Tony Jones there, by the <laughs> way. So um, I, I do think I think Dallas may, we'll talk about Dallas a little bit later. Uh, everything I, he makes for an interesting pickup, but. Yeah, not not great. We do need Ken Walker back there. Ken Walker, by the way, been struggling a little bit too. Like, um, yeah, you know, it's it's not been the yeah. Same. Touchdowns have covered it up a little bit, right? Touchdowns definitely covered it up, but the rushing um, explosiveness hasn't been there. You know, I know that people who break down running backs, you know, 
better uh, than I do, uh, certainly, would talk would say that he's like a bit of a boomer bust runner, uh, Ken Walker. So it's just been a bit more bust than boom of late. Hopefully this injury doesn't um, hold him back too much because he is certainly a fun player to watch. Uh, all right. Quarterback, we're going to do a little quarterback roundup here for uh, some interesting little pieces of news here, and, and we can kind of pick which one we really want to dive in on here. Uh, for one, the Jets say they're going to start Mike White again. That was just announced while we were taping. Uh, yeah, no kidding. He's still a real <laughs> NFL quarterback. We're going to keep on playing Mike White. The Panthers wave Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. The 49ers signed Josh Johnson. Uh, there's a lot of dot connecting between uh, Baker Mayfield and the 49ers, obviously, because he's been yeah. waived here, Andy. Please, no. I mean, please. He also, um, I, I believe, I'm not sure the exact timing of him asking for his uh, for his release, but it sure synced up with uh, the 49ers uh, injury to to Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I th- that's just that's just really hard to imagine. Like the what whatever team takes on Baker Mayfield right now, it, it, it's they've got to look at him as sort of a reclamation project, right? Um, like first of all, you. I wouldn't expect anything different from Baker Mayfield this season uh, on a new yeah. team than than what we've already seen this year. Um, it's not going to be good, you know. He's he's not going to keep you know he's not going to keep your offense on schedule. Uh, he nothing's going to prevent him from turning over the football. Um, he's whoever your best player is, they're not going to be happy with Baker Mayfield. Like you're just going to get all the usual Baker Mayfield stuff. He needs. He needs like. <laughs> By the a way, the 49ers off. have like four good, like four right, good players. Right. Like any one of them could get angry, and but one of them has already experienced playing with Baker Mayfield this yeah. year, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. So, so I just, I just can't imagine them doing that. I actually think, I, I don't know. Like I'm kind of looking past the the Purdy era. I'm not sure how long that will last, but I maybe Josh Johnson can get interesting. Um, like he popped up in a couple different places last year and had 300 yard games uh, in both of them. If anybody that you've mentioned already is going to get up to speed quickly, it's it's going to be him. I just have very low expectations for for Purdy. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe I'm too pessimistic. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe I just saw enough of him in college that I that I it, it never occurred to me that he would be a pro or that's certainly a starting pro. Um, so that that yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm ready to get past that era. Uh, <laughs> But it can't be Baker. Like it just absolutely can't be Baker. I but I am also struggling to think of any other team that would take a shot on him right now. Um, you know, would would the Texans take a shot on Baker? Um, well, I don't know. The Colts aren't going to take that on amid everything else that has gone wrong for that team. I just have no idea. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, the the Rams have kind of obviously they should be given up on the season, but I could see them claiming Baker Mayfield just to. I don't know because I think they got to think about the, the future a little bit. Um, just to be know, just to be jerks to the 49ers in case that's the 49ers another thing too, right? Him. Just despite just despite the 49ers, maybe the Rams pick him up. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I could see the I could see the Seahawks maybe picking him up because there was that you know there was a connection there in the offseason. It seemed like there was some mm-hmm. interest, but yeah, I mean I remember I do remember when the the when Baker is like, oh, I'd love to play for the Colts, and the Colts are like, yeah. No, thanks. Uh, obviously, uh, Frank Reich's no longer there. I don't know what Jeff, old Jeff Saturday thinks of uh, thinks of Baker Mayfield. Maybe we can look back through his tweets uh, and figure out what his evaluation of was Baker Mayfield. But by the way, a lot of these teams will make a, a decision on Baker Mayfield based on what they thought of him 
as a prospect because that stuff right. just take the, right. it takes forever to get that out of people's minds. Now, th- to be fair to Baker, not that I really want to be fair to Baker, but to be fair to him, his best years came in like a Shanahan style. His best year, 2020, came in a Shanahan style offense when all conditions were perfect with a great running game. This running game actually hasn't been that great. McCaffrey's been great in fantasy as a receiver, so I just don't think the fits there. I don't know why the um, I just don't think he comes in and makes you any better than Brock Purdy. Like, what has Baker Mayfield put on tape the last two years that would make you think like, oh, he's even better than 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 Brock Purdy, who at least like at least he re- like ran the offense. Uh, Purdy ran the offense pretty well uh, in, in, in his relief duty for Jimmy Garoppolo. Now is in really positive game script. But yeah. like, that's all you need is a guy to kind of keep the train on the tracks at this point with this offense because the, the players are so good and the defense is so good. Yeah, the best thing we can say about Purdy right now is that he has months in the offense, right? <laughs> which which like Baker Mayfield learning your offense on the fly and then and then getting up to speed in a couple weeks just seems um, like an absolute pipe dream. Like it's like it's something that can't possibly happen. I, I don't, yeah. you know, just brutal. He's also brutal a pain spot. in the ass too. Like he's a, yeah. Yeah, that's another thing too. He's like, he's going to, he's going to attract attention. Like that's why the Browns, the big part of the reason apparently what, and which, you know, obviously uh, more ironic is not the right word, uh, but a little ridiculous that then they obviously go on to Deshaun Watson, right? Like that they, they didn't, they didn't like that Baker Mayfield drew a bunch of attention to himself and was, you know, on social media chirping with the haters and stuff like that. Again, it's ridiculous that, that their solution to that was well, let's go trade for Deshaun Watson. Certainly won't be any negative attention there. Um, but, you know, with, with, with Baker, like that's part of the experience. I don't know why any team yeah. would want that in the middle of this year, especially when he's played as poorly as he has. I don't know. No, it also feels like a situation if where if you're adding him, you you've got to add him with the intention of starting him because otherwise it's just it's just a massive distraction and people are you know I don't know I don't know how much coaches and, and players really care about being asked the same things every day, but um, Baker Mayfield being in your locker room when your starter is Brock Purdy um, is just going to be a discussion topic absolutely every day until he plays. No, no fun. Um, last thing in quarterback roundup here. By the way, maybe maybe the Falcons could could uh, claim Baker Mayfield. I I tend to doubt it. Don't think he and Arthur Smith would jive well. But uh, Falcons coach Arthur Smith said that uh, quote will evaluate everything, every job when asked about the possibility of Desmond Ritter getting some starts. This is notable because it's a like even though this isn't like a rousing endorsement of Desmond Ritter. I can't tell you enough how much Arthur Smith, whenever he's been asked about Desmond Ritter yeah. as a person that exists this year, even dating back to the offseason, has been like, you know, his usual cantankerous self. So to say we'll evaluate everything as his team heads into a bye, I think there's a pretty good chance Desmond Ritter starting for this team on the other end of the bye. Yeah, that's exactly the sort of soundbite that usually precedes uh, a change, right? Um, I, I fully agree with you, and it can't. Like it just can't get much worse. Um, and uh, it can't, dude. Marcus Mariota's had some moments, fantasy wise, um, but there's there's always just a, I mean, there's a crushing turnover every game. Um, there are missed opportunities every game, and uh, like they're they're obviously coaching around him right now, and not not necessarily coaching to maximize his talents. They have some damn good receivers who are just going to go underutilized. So w- whatever they're seeing from Ritter in practices, I don't, I don't, I don't really see how it can be much worse than what they're getting on the field. 
Yeah, and Ritter's a guy that can move a little bit. Like, he would be interesting, I think, just like Mariota was interesting from a fantasy perspective. But what we really care about is can he actually get the ball to – and we, I know Kyle Pitts is obviously out for the rest of the year, but, like, I would love to see some games from Drake London. You know, he's coming yeah. off a 12-target, 95-yard game. Uh, it would be great to stack a few more of those performances as he goes in the offseason. I don't know that Desmond Ritter's the answer. I know that some quarterback guys who really like Desmond Ritter uh, in the draft process. So, And you're right, though. It just can't get much worse than Mariota, who I think yeah. has been the worst, like, starting quarterback non Zach Wilson, non Baker Mayfield division, like he's right up there. The offense is just a, a complete mess with him. He's in, he's, yep. he's so inaccurate, leaves so many plays on the field as you mentioned. Um, yeah, I, I I think that I think that Drake London is a guy that you should be optimistic about just on the chance that Ritter comes in here and like can read the plays out. Like that's pretty much like why is Kyle Pitts and Drake London not getting the ball? It's like the design plays to these like bit players work. But like when you actually need to read the play out, you know, read the timing of the route out, like everything like that, it's a mess because Mariota's a mess, man. And yeah. I mean, it just it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Uh, let's move to Sunday Night Football recap here. <laughs> I mean, I, Andy, I'm not sure I've ever seen uh, a game when like the flood, like the term the floodgates opened was more uh, encapsulating for a performance than this one. Right. Cowboys 54, Colts 19. The Cowboys outscored the Colts in the, in the fourth quarter, 33 to zero. I don't know that I've seen that. I can't I can't recall anything like that, you know, where like at, at one point Matt Ryan had I think he'd just thrown his third interception. And I I, I was just like, that can't only be three. Right. It felt like I know. I his... thought I thought it was Delow mask like uh, his game against the, the Cardinals. <laughs> yes, when he had, yeah. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about. If you watch that game, you remember it. I thought it was going to like the final stat line was going to look like that. I, w- I was surprised as well. Yeah, yeah. So a five turnover game that felt like, I don't know, felt like nine. Um, It it felt absolutely impossible for the Colts to move the ball late in that game. And I don't know, credit to them for like at some point that thing was 14 to 13 and you were entertaining the possibility that it was actually going to be a competitive football game. And then one side just absolutely detonated. Yeah. And it just was a perfect uh, like picture of what I think the Colts are right now is that they just have such a problem at quarterback. And like they're a pretty good, they're they're a flawed team for sure. They're not a perfect team, but they're a pretty good team. You know, Alec Pierce is making some plays. Uh, last night, you know, Paris Campbell popped up for a couple of plays. Uh, Michael Pittman had a couple of plays. You know, Jonathan Taylor, twenty-one carries, eighty-two yards. Mo Ali Cox, brutal fumble. He was the other one that yeah. had a turnover. But like, it's just Matt Ryan against that defense, like a, a defense that can send waves and waves of pressure at you. It was just a. I mean, I at some point the secondary definitely started. You can tell when a defense smells blood in the water, and that was what it pretty much happened to them in the fourth quarter. But Andy, I don't really care. Like you know, the broadcast talking about Sam Ellinger. Like, okay, <laughs> Sam Ellinger was like that was they were not a real NFL offense. Like they're a disaster yeah. prone offense with Matt Ryan, but they're in a very 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 constricted offense. I can't. I still can't fathom why every broadcaster is so surprised that they can't really push the ball down the field whenever because we've had them on prime time at back-to-back weeks which that'll be enough of that already thank you very much but like <laughs> both uh troy aikman and chris collins were like yeah just not pushing the ball down the field I'm like shoot yeah boys i wonder why they're not doing that but and, and then like you know at one point they pan to nick Foles, who i guess is the backup quarterback now over sam ellinger it's like I don't really care. Like, this is what the offense is probably going to look like, regardless of who is behind center at this point. Yeah, I get. I, do you think we'll see Foles at some point? Like that 
that I was I was feeling a little bit uncomfortable for Matt Ryan. Like Matt Ryan is probably at the at the very end right now. Um, and and I don't know, maybe that maybe that realization hit. Not that I'm some, you know, huge longtime Matt Ryan fan, but I respect his career and I respect his best years. And this is this is this is just quite a, you know, this is quite a final scene. If this is the final scene for Matt Ryan, it's really it's really ugly. Like it started for me with that Broncos game. That was just like an absolute yeah. joke of a, a joke of a game. And I, I, I sort of understood why he why he lost his job. He didn't necessarily lose his job to a better quarterback. But I don't know. I'd, we, we might as well see Foles because um, this is getting really uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Saturday. Colts head coach Jeff Saturday, in case you forgot, uh, said after the game uh, or was asked, like, if Matt Ryan's shoulder injury is affecting him. He said, uh, I don't think so. That'd be a question you'd ask him. And all honestly, I don't get into injuries with players. Uh, you know, I leave that to the trainers, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I haven't asked him if his shoulder is hurting him. Uh, I bet the, I bet his shoulder is probably still a problem. And I bet it will continue yeah. to be a problem as it gets pounded into the dust. I mean, I, again, I was surprised he only took three sacks. Because all of his sacks and all of his interceptions that right? look worse. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I expected, again, like, you know, no, I'm not normally just having the box score up as I'm watching these games, right? Also, like, we're we're doing our recap podcast during Sunday Night Football, too. So um, I got to kind of keep an eye on that, you know, whatever, whatever. So when at the end of the game, when I go to write my recap piece on it or, you know, lead my recap piece with this game, I was like, three sacks, three interceptions. It certainly felt like it'd be five and five. Yeah, no, it felt like nine and nine. Um, it that that game felt crazy. <laughs> that was about as mismatched as at least for a quarter uh, or, or a half as as you'll ever see two teams. Like if you've ever wondered what it would actually look like if like a Big Twelve team faced an NFL team, I I feel like it would kind of look like that. Just absolutely hopeless uh, for one side and and utter domination for the other. Last note on the Colts, it was disappointing that Jelani Woods only ran a route on 27.5% of the dropbacks uh, after that. You know, I, I this, knew this better. This is just than what the Colts are doing to us at tight end I, yeah. all year. Like, whoever goes off is guaranteed to to give you a dud the following week. Yeah, I I, I knew better than to get my hopes up about it. Uh, Scott has said, like, the Colts would start 11 tight ends if they could, and, and he's <laughs> right. Um, you know, Kylan Granson runs around on 55% of the dropbacks. It's just like, I'm sure Jelani Woods, like, isn't a perfect technician perfect player or anything like that but god i mean he gives him gives him a little pop whenever he's out there i knew not he's to get my huge. hopes about it he's absolutely I mean, he's huge. huge he looks like jonathan ogden out there yeah yeah it's unbelievable uh let's talk about the good team in this game dallas cowboys <laughs> uh yeah let, let's let's put the colts aside here for a second man dallas's offense is is fun you know their defense is really fun but um you know i came away from this game and uh, you know, again, broadcast discussing Odell Beckham at every possible chance. I, I came away from right. this game feeling like, do, do they need, do they really need Odell Beckham? And like, I get Chris Collinsworth points about like, who knows how healthy he is. Like, they're just now getting their late season ACL tear Michael Gallup like back on on track, right? With two touchdowns in this game. This team feels like it has absolutely everything it needs to make a Super Bowl run right now. Um, you know, they got a quarterback yeah. playing at the height of his powers. Um, I think Dak has played extremely well. Uh, I know he has the one interception in this game. Might have had another one. It's a topic for another day. Maybe Jeff Saturday should have thrown <laughs> that challenge flag on that one. Um, I think Pollard and Zeke are the best running back tandem in the NFL right now. And CeeDee Lamb. My God, CeeDee Lamb is so good. Yeah, and the, the, the broadcast uh, uh, alluded to this. Like, they... 
they're doing fun stuff with CD Lamb. Like he's oh, there. Yeah, they're, he's already a tough cover, and they're making him a tougher cover, right? Like he was in motion constantly. Um, you, Amazing you've never, stuff. You never found him in the same spot on the field uh, at the snap of the football. Um, so that was really fun. Lamb was really fun to watch. You're right about the running backs. Like for all the for all the criticism that uh, uh, fantasy managers are giving Zeke, like Zeke has been fine. Um, Zeke is still like, you know, nearly perfect on like third downs and fourth downs. Zeke is a like get the tough yards for you guy. And Tony Pollard is a clear home run hitter. And that is just that's a really difficult combo um, for anybody to deal with when you also have to worry about the receiving weapons that they put on the field. You and, you know, uh, credit to you and Chris Allen, who talked up uh, Michael Gallup on Fantasy Football Live. And then he, you know, he he had a game in which he looked like Michael Gallup, right? And they're taking yeah. deep shots with him. And they also had the, you know, the the short end stuff on uh, the, the, you know, on which they scored. Like Gallup just looked great. He he's barely over the roster percentage where we don't talk about him in the in the waiver pod. But he is somebody that you should uh, that you should probably look for because he's out there in I don't know. It's something like something like forty five percent of Yahoo leagues right now. And he's one of those players that is kind of yo-yoed around a little bit in terms of roster percentage, too, because we, you know, we'll talk him up and we think he's we think he's had a game and then he puts up a dud and then everybody drops him. So he's just one of those guys where like some of the active managers out there have like added him, dropped him, added him, dropped him. So uh, he, he is somebody who might realistically be available to many of you. And I, I agree. Like, I don't I don't know how much better Odell Beckham, who's coming off a serious injury like last February how much better can he be than than Michael Gallup is right now? Yeah, and I think the biggest problem with Beckham is that he's probably going to want like a multi-year deal. He yeah. wants to get paid. And like, the again, the 2022 Dallas Cowboys, like I'd rather just maybe find like a, a little slot receiver, you know, something like that. Because yeah. I agree, what they're doing with CeeDee Lamb right now is just is awesome stuff. CeeDee Lamb has been everything he was cracked up to be this year. You know, there was like, there's definitely some doubters about CeeDee Lamb in the offseason. Like, okay, he's, again, sort of like the conversation we had about Tua. Like, he's good, but how good is he? You know, can he be, he's a guy that's been like penciled in as the wide receiver three in Dynasty, you know, stuff like that. Does he really deserve that? Does he really deserve to be like a back half first round pick? You know, I said that he could lead the NFL in targets this year. He's fifth and, and, you know, he's ninth in receiving yards. I mean, if Chris Olave has like a, you know, big monster game on uh Monday night football, as I'm saying this, he could, he could totally pass him. But like, regardless, CD lamb has been everything he's cracked up being. Yeah. Like, I think this was the first time that I could remember with CD lamb. I was like, they're really getting him in space. Like they used to do it with Oklahoma, man. Like he averaged over 10 yards after the catch per catch and had 23 yards on the ground as well. Like, that was great stuff. I think they finally figured what my big complaint with CD lamb the first couple of years was like, they need to just settle on a role with him and like, keep him in that role. If they keep him in this role, man, like the sky is absolutely the limit for him as a player. Where would you say like in real life NFL receiver terms? Cause this was, uh, you know, PFF puts out the quote graphic, like, please engage with us, please engage with us. Or like the CD lamb is a blank <laughs> and a top blank NFL receiver this weekend. I didn't, I didn't engage with it, but I at least thought about it. Where yeah. would you rank him? Like in terms of real life NFL receivers? Um, yeah, he's not, you know, uh, you know, it's not really breaking news to say that I don't think he's Devante. I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he's necessarily Stefan Diggs. Um, he doesn't no. have the rare traits that, that Tyreek has. Um, I, I 
I think I'd put Justin Jefferson a, a cut above uh, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase was just stupid against the against the Chiefs this past weekend too. So maybe that's a little recency bias, but I'm I, I suppose I'm putting Jamar Chase in a in a different category, and then and and then he's right there. So I don't know how many guys that I name is that like is he the wide receiver six, wide receiver seven? He's he's some he's somewhere like just outside that top tier. Yeah, I think there's a clear top tier of like Tyree Kill, Justin Jefferson, Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, AJ Brown, um, yeah. Jamar Chase. Like making a top five is impossible at this point because you'll you'll feel like you left somebody right. off. Right. Um, and then yeah, I think he mixes in with the next group with like I think Terry McLaurin is there. I think CeeDee Lamb is there. Um, like those guys after that. Uh there's you know, Jalen Waddle, I think, is there too. Um, that's sort of where you know, Cooper Cup. We didn't even mention his name because he's not playing right now, but I think he's in that group as well. So I, I probably somewhere. I, I always say if you if you make a top five receiver list and you feel like you didn't leave somebody off, you definitely did it wrong. <laughs> same thing at same thing with the top ten receivers. Same thing honestly with the top twenty receivers. It's a great position. Yeah. It's pretty fun. That's uh, why I'm kind of into it. But yeah, I feel like the Dallas offense right now really hitting its stride. CeeDee Lamb's usage is awesome. Michael Gallup's usage is awesome. Like the and the, the running backs are just outright dominant too. Also, like coming into this week, this was. This was a relatively challenging matchup. I mean, that's not a, you know, that's not a defense full of bums that they that they just worked over. And yet I still feel like if it had been a competitive game, like if Dallas's defense didn't take the whole damn thing over, there was a there was a path here for CeeDee Lamb to have like, I don't know, 180 scrimmage yards, whatever they needed out of him yep. um, and significantly more targets than he saw. By the way, next two games for uh, Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb, Texans. Oh God, the Texans yeah. and the Jaguars. Like, there's a lot of like Michael Gallup might get into that every week wide receiver three territory yeah. now that he's healthy. Uh, people just forget how damn good he is. Like through all this Beckham talk, it's like, hey, they already made the similar bet with Michael Gallup, and they're gonna win that bet by the way because he's that good of a football player. So pretty cool to see. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We come back, we'll run through a minorly exciting. I'll, you know, I'll call it a, a pretty exciting group of waiver options. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, Andy. I got the people jazzed up by calling it a pretty exciting group of waiver options. <laughs> <laughs> so let's incredible start. Tease, at, yeah. Just incredible stuff. Hey, if you're looking to get into podcasting, hosting, anything like that, that's how you get the people excited, okay? Take notes. <laughs> That's how you get the people excited. All right, running back, though. Let's start there. Um, there are definitely some dudes on this list that can help people, although you got you got Cam Akers to start here, Andy, and come on. I So I was actually going to say the, the, the guy that I'm actually the most excited about and I think is the most interesting conversation is James Cook. Because um, I... Please. Yeah. I didn't... I didn't see that game coming. And like, we know that Cook has been coming on a little bit, right? Like, it's kind of weird that it coincided with the with the Naheem Hines trade that we thought was going to finish him off as a fantasy factor rest of season. But he's been really good for multiple weeks. And then like, uh, 
boom, there's a 20 touch game. Um, mm-hmm. 20, 20 touches, like six catches and 105 scrimmage yards is just is just automatic pickup kind of stuff. And we, we might have thought that was possible for Cook if there were a Devin Singletary injury, if like circumstances, weird circumstances, unfortunate circumstances led to it. I didn't see it coming just in the normal course of events, right? But he split snaps with Devin Singletary, looked great, was super productive, and it's, I mean, it's Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> like, I, like I, to me, he, he's the guy I actually feel best about on this list because, he, I mean, you mentioned Cam Akers. Cam Akers coming off a fine game for fantasy purposes, a couple of touchdowns. Um, some tough yards, but not like Cam Akers at this stage is still, he's just not the flashiest player. It's not necessarily a fun watch. He's not the most efficient player, but you know, he played over 70% of the snaps and he scored a couple touchdowns. So we have to talk about him. I'm, I'm way more interested in what we could get out of cook, who is a, a gifted receiver now coming into a ton of work. Like I didn't, the way they talked about him on draft night and um, the the way I felt he profiled was just not as a guy that they would ever deliberately give yeah. 20 touches to, 25 touches to. I didn't think it was going to happen, especially, again, with a healthy Singletary. But it has. And now we have to think of him as a guy who in any given week is probably looking at at least a dozen touches. Um, and he's been on the field like in, in some big moments late in games, too. So yeah. they obviously, even though he's had some struggles this year, like he's put the ball on the ground, he's he's had some whiffs, he's yet clearly not been in the spot that Josh Allen expected him to be in a handful of times. That happened in the Thanksgiving game, but they've stuck with him. And that, that was a great effort. Like they've, they've invested a lot in him um, and he looked really good. And again, it's Buffalo. It's an offense that can go off in any given week. Um, they've got a, you know, it's the Jets game coming up and, and maybe that one is going to be low scoring. Not sure. It's Buffalo though, but you get, you get to the back end of the season, you get to the fantasy playoffs and you're looking at a matchup with Chicago. Um, he's like anybody who touches the ball for Buffalo in that game has a chance to go off. They've got Cincinnati, which, you know, Cincinnati's a pretty good defense that just played a great game. Um, but they're, they're sort of middle of the pack ish and that is going to be a high scoring game in all likelihood. So, there's some great spots for him. I'm um, I'm super excited about James Cook. He's already exceeded my my expectations. I, I love that call. I agree that I think he's my favorite pickup at running back this week. Like the fact too that Devin Singletary pops in the goal line touchdown actually could you know if, like if Cook had scored he would be I think you know yeah, people would be blowing yeah. their blowing their wallets get everything and he's a guy that like should have been stashed like he fits into the backup running back stash sort of philosophy anyways um, because we know he's talented offense is good. You know, he's behind just one guy, really, in Devin Singletary. But, you know, as you mentioned, kind of pops him up. 40.5% uh, route participation uh, for James Cook. You know, 42.4% uh, of the team rush attempts, 40% targets per route run. Like, those are all the things you really want to see for, like, signaling a breakout. Uh, so I, I love the James Cook recommendation. I, I think he should be on rosters anyways. But if he's going to have standalone value, like... Oh boy, wheels up. And uh, just yeah. wanted to read this off um, from our mutual friend, John Daigle, uh, tweet I saw this morning. Reminder to ignore the Rams and let your league mate guess LA's weekly leader in running back touches every yeah. week this season. Week one, Daryl Henderson, 86%. Cam Akers, week two, 63%. Week three, Akers, 75%. Week four, Henderson, 55%. Akers, week five, 75%. Week six, Henderson, 58%. Week eight, Ronnie Rivers. Came, come off as a, I got a Led Zeppelin record record behind me. He came, he came back off tour. Uh, yeah, he came back to get 52% 
of the team rush attempts for LA. Then week nine, we're back to Daryl Henderson, 60%. Week 10, we're back to Daryl Henderson, 41%. Oh, then Cam Akers, week 11, 58%. Kyron Williams, 64%. Week 12, then Akers this week at 86%. I just thought that was hilarious. Like, ever, it's just, it, what a mess, right? I, I don't know. I could easily see Kyron Williams being at 64, 70% next week. Oh, totally. It's in play. Um, the, the appeal to, you know, if you can make the case for for investing in Rams uh, at any level, it's that they've got, you know, first of all, they've got the Raiders coming up and hey, the Raiders have been pretty good lately. Um, but then they've got Green Bay, uh, a, yeah. an incredibly friendly run defense. Um, they've got Denver and then they've got the Chargers in championship week for fantasy purposes. So like if you do guess right on the Rams running back in week 17, um, that could be that could be profitable. That could be a winning move. That feels like a protect your energy type of thing. Like, don't be sitting there week 17 and just like when Cam Akers has five rush attempts and um, Ronnie, oh, Ronnie Rivers comes out with his damn, uh, his damn tambourine or whatever. You know, he comes out there and he's got a, you know, 25 rush attempts or whatever against the L.A. Chargers. Feels like a protect your energy thing. Uh, anything else here at running back before we move to wide receivers? Yeah, I I think the other names that uh, that deserve at least honorable mention. Um, I don't even I don't even know how to how to discuss uh, Zonovan Knight exactly because we talked about him at length last week. Um, but he's still we're in that type of like we're at, we're at that point in the season where I, I feel like the waiver wire gets a little bit less active and there's teams that sort of drop out of the running in leagues and so we're we're just hitting those weeks where like. Roster percentages don't move as much as they would have yeah. in October and September. So I don't know that Zonovan Knight is really uh, still available in a whole bunch of competitive leagues, but he is uh, only attached to, to rosters in like 47% of Yahoo leagues right now. So he's eligible for this conversation. And I thought he had a sort of consolidation of power game, right? Like uh, he saw 20, 20 touches, uh, goes over 100 yards, uh, was, you know, and again, it's important to remind people like the week before, um, he wasn't just a function of uh, Michael Carter getting injured because he was getting run while Michael Carter was in the game. Um, so they clearly intended a role for him. They had Robinson inactive uh, for a reason because they they wanted to get him out there. Now, Knight does not have a great matchup in the week ahead. He's got Buffalo, uh, but then it's Detroit, then it's Jacksonville, then it's Seattle. Those are some exploitable matchups. And uh, again, any running back seeing, you know, who has the potential for 15 to 20 touches is somebody that you're going to want to have on rosters. Uh, other guys that uh, that are going to be mentioned in the column, Chuba Hubbard, uh, just a reminder that he had 17 carries. Didn't do much with him, but 17 carries uh, before Carolina's bye. If you want to avoid Carolina altogether, however, I get it. I totally get it. Um, Jordan Mason turned out to be the answer in uh, San Francisco for who was going to run behind Christian McCaffrey. Uh, it was not TDP. It was not Tevin Coleman. Mason had over over 50 rushing yards in that one. So, like, it, if you scooped up any of those other guys as flyers, I think you can drop them. Uh, I think Mason is the answer there. And then we've already discussed the Seattle backfield. I, I'll be honest. I don't really know what to do with it. DJ Dallas, I suppose, would be my priority. I wouldn't. I wouldn't throw a huge waiver offer at him. And this, I, we don't even know how how many games Kenneth Walker uh, is going to miss with his jammed, not sprained ankle. Um, <laughs> it was, and then DJ Dallas got hurt in the same game, and they and they they had to roll with him because Walker couldn't return. Uh, so he wasn't particularly efficient. Um, it was a week in which they didn't have Travis Homer because Homer is dealing with illness and injury. So I don't know that they have a healthy running back right now. 
Um, right. And I, thus, I don't know that you really want to play. They're about to face Carolina, which, you know, for all the problems uh, that the Panthers have had, the, the defense is often pretty respectable. So I, I don't know that we can expect a, a big game from any Seattle running back, but still they're probably, they're probably, these are probably the guys that you use as like, you're, you're fine. Like if you set six waiver claims, these guys are probably the sixth um, and you're throwing a dollar or two at them. Yeah, I think that's fair. The schedule is not great, but the offense that you can be attached to is, is awesome. So there's a give and take uh, there with the Seattle backs wide receivers. Hey, Andy, uh, your your first guy here is Nico Collins, and we we did it. We finally willed Nico <laughs> Collins into the end zone. It only took 10 Kyle Allen targets, which, ugh, I mean, enough already with Kyle Allen. But it took 10 uh, Kyle Allen targets to get there, but we did get that touchdown on Nico Collins. Yeah, it's um, I you know I keep sort of pounding the table on on all these targets that Nico Collins is seeing, but of course they're not the highest quality targets, right? They're Kyle Allen targets, yeah. and they're you they're know, a bit fake but, news targets, that's for sure. Yes, exactly. They were Davis Mills targets before that, so they're not you know these are not premium targets necessarily, but they are you know he is routinely seeing like seven to ten targets. Now, uh, is he converting those into like thirty five to forty five yards? Yes, yes, he is. Yeah. They're not. They're not. They're not doing all the things that you would necessarily want done with an athlete like Collins, right? Like, again, I feel like we we discuss him every week at some point. Guy's 6'4". He's got 4'4 four, four speed. He can he can leap out of the gym. Like, this is this is an athlete who has special yeah, he's, traits. He's like, good, too. I think he's a pretty good player. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so 10 targets is really encouraging for a guy like that. Um, if he ever saw 10 targets from a good quarterback... I think he would do really fun things. Um, you know, if they if they took the appropriate number of deep shots with Nico Collins, I'd be really excited. Um, but he did find the end zone, and uh, I just I just really like the player. He's got you know he's got Dallas coming up. That's not great, but then they've got. But the fact that know, they play the Cowboys next week and you have that on the outline did literally just sent a shiver down my spine thinking about uh, yeah. Kyle Allen going against that defense. I also feel like there's going to be a number of games, you know, like the one that Houston just played where like the, the touchdown might occur late. The, you know, a lot of the yardage might happen late when um, defenses are a little bit more forgiving, perhaps not that Dallas was forgiving late in their game against the Colts. Um, but they've got Kansas City coming up after that. They've got Tennessee, which has been an OK matchup, Jacksonville in uh, in championship week. So there's a couple of decent spots for Collins, not next week, but there are there are some decent spots for him. And I think he's a really good player. Other names on the list, you know, it's one of those things where like because we have this stupid six team bye week ahead of us in week 14, which is just unfair. You know, some of the most interesting players who popped up are headed immediately into buys, so they can't help yeah. you. And you probably desperately need help right now. But um, Alec Pierce had a game in a nightmarish uh, uh, Sunday nighter for the Colts. Alec Pierce did have a game. Uh, it was his third game this year with over 80 receiving yards, had a touchdown um, and like just a just like a like an outmuscled defender for the touchdown too, right? Like so just kind of a kind of a jump ballish situation that that you can run with Alec Pierce and he's going to win a lot of those. So that was good to see. Um, Jahan Dotson finally popped, uh, had nine targets, returned to the end zone in that sort of weird tie with the with the Giants. But that was really good to see. Again, not that you can do much with it because they're headed into a buy. But then they've got the Giants on the back end of that too uh, when when they come out of the buy. So maybe there's something there. 
Other guys uh, who I think are less interesting, but still moderately interesting. Um, Corey Davis had a decent game, um, and again, with with Mike White running that offense, you're gonna you're gonna see, you know, not that Mike White is any sort of secret superstar. He missed some throws, um, but he will keep your offense on schedule. And they let him, you know, shoot. They let him put the ball in the air fifty plus times. Yeah. That was fun. Throwing the piss uh, out of the ball at this point there with Mike White. <laughs> By, by the way, we like we don't have a lot of occasion to talk about Garrett Wilson on this on the pickups podcast necessarily. But, oh, my God, there were some routes where he did everything to the defender short of like filling out their retirement papers for them. Right. Like he <laughs> cooked some people. Um, he you could see like Patrick Peterson's soul leave his body a couple times. Like, yeah. yeah, that was just that was awesome. Um, that was great that was player. great to watch. That guy's a. You know, we've I've liked him. Um, I I was probably behind most people um, coming into the draft process, but that guy's a star. That guy's an absolute star. He looked incredible, and it really says something that he has blown up with any quarterback they throw out there, other than Zach Wilson. Um, so what a what a game! Like probably I don't know. As that was as impressed as I was by any individual player. Um, was just getting through that game this morning. Um, Wilson was phenomenal, but I've sidetracked myself because you can't pick up Garrett Wilson. That's not an option to you for you. <laughs> Um, but maybe Corey Davis is available to you. Uh, he's it's he's nice. A, it's nice when we get you to talk about like some some non goofball level players. It, it is gotta, nice to yeah, occasionally, yeah, to occasionally hit it. Oh my gosh, Garrett Wilson was good. Um, Isaiah McKenzie still out there, still tied to Buffalo. That's yeah, right. Fun. Like you just went from Garrett Wilson, Isaiah McKenzie. I know. And I, I feel I feel for you, Andy. I feel that you, <laughs> you've become the pick. It's, it's like we need to get Andy back on the preview pod so that we can talk about somebody who's not Isaiah McKenzie with Andy. I know at, at one level, like as a fantasy guy, you're like, oh, I only want to talk about the deep names. I don't want to talk. Everybody knows the stars. But then like you're talking about the deep names and you end up talking about Trent Sherfield. And how interesting is that? Um, not no, not tell very. Me about it. When, tell me how interesting. <laughs> when there's actual great players out there that we could be talking about, like Garrett Wilson. But Trent Sherfield could be a thing against the Chargers because uh, Jalen Waddle's a little bit dinged right now. And obviously he had a splash play. He's found the end zone a couple times this year and two obviously likes him. Yeah. Um, definitely a splash play, although there was a revenge game. So uh, don't forget that. What a <laughs> Sunday. What a Sunday for revenge games, uh, Andy. Got to be an all time revenge game. I, I don't remember one with that many. Um, yeah. uh, but like people were putting together all kinds of lists of, uh, but you could always think of more, right? Like, and, right. and Sherfield was one of those guys too. There were so many revenge narratives out there. And AJ Brown actually, actually had some quotes uh, following the game to suggest that it did mean a little something to him. Like he, he get you know he kind of fed the the revenge narrative people a little bit. So did Malik Hooker like after the Sunday night game when because he was drafted by the Colts he returns a touchdown uh, for him and he's like yeah I want to show that I'm still the guy that like w- you know that was drafted like and I think I did it right you know in this game so I, of course of course it's a real thing okay if you're not if like you're a hyper motivated athlete and you don't think like oh especially for AJ Brown like this team that you know. He, like he tweeted after the trade, like Titans fans, this was not my fault. Uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> like he, and again, you can litigate the history of whose fault is it really, whatever. But clearly, in his mind, he thinks the team wronged him or didn't give him what he deserved. Which, by the way, he's deserved what the Eagles gave he him. It. You know, yeah. so uh, yeah, you're gonna use that as motivation, just like anybody else would. Okay, like these are not ro- these are not robots. Okay, these are not numbers on a spreadsheet. These are real human beings. Like the idea that that stuff doesn't come into play, or motivation, or coaching, or these ant- intangible um, effort. You know, these intangible factors don't come into play. If you think that doesn't affect your fantasy football outcomes, you're insane. 
Okay. Plus, so that's, uh, these just... these guys are really good at just sort of inventing rivalries to motivate oh, themselves totally. where none should exist, right? So, like, how do you think they are when when there is a real reason to to have a chip on your shoulder? Right. You know, when some when some player says something like, "Oh yeah, you know, you guys will do," you know, the media will do this, the media will do that, and like you know, just just add it to the bullets, you know, and then an actual thing like that happens. I mean, Steve Smith went against Panthers Panthers, and he literally said, "I'm going to leave." blood and guts on the field <laughs> which by the way he did <laughs> that first game against the carolina panthers so yeah definitely a real thing you know what else is real andy jared goff's quarterback efficiency at this point uh in the detroit lions offense i i wish i had more quarterback names uh for you people because everybody's got a need this weekend again it's not just the buys it's the number of injuries that we had but i i think there are two pretty clear names that are that are of great interest to me uh, the first of them is is Jared Goff, and and part of that is that it's Minnesota on deck, and uh, we we've talked about this a time or two, but like Minnesota has been opportunistic, and they've taken the ball away from teams. They're good at that. Um, they give up a million yards. Uh, they have ranked uh, dead last against the pass for the, uh, the past couple of weeks. They are giving up over eight yards per pass attempt. There is yardage there uh, available for the taking against the Vikings. I think Jared Goff can get it. Like he, you know, he's going to have some weird hiccup moments along the way, in all likelihood. Um, but he's he's surrounded by phenomenal talent, right? He's the guy throwing to Amon Ross St. Brown. He's the guy who gets to throw to DeAndre Swift. Um, they're getting talent back with Jameson Williams. I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly what they'll do with him. Um, they did very little uh, this past game, but they did get his feet wet. Um, so he's got weapons. DJ Chark is playing um, and, well. and played played really well in uh, in week 13. And again, this matchup is fantastic. Goff is Goff might be gone in a lot of leagues. He's he's right around 50 percent rostered right now. So he might be gone in your league. But he's also one of those guys who's been bouncing around. You know, he he's probably been on like four different rosters this year because he's totally. he's an easy guy to talk yourself into during a during a bye week. And then he's an easy guy to talk yourself out of. Right. Like you're not going to hold Jared Goff all year. Um, this happens to be a good spot for him. It's in the last of the big buys. So I, I think he's plenty interesting. I would prioritize him ahead of Tyler Huntley, but I am a little bit interested in Tyler Huntley because, uh, you know, the reasons that we discussed before when we were talking about Lamar, it, like he'll run the ball. Um, four starts last year and he rushed for over 40 yards in all of them, had over 70 rushing yards in a couple of them. Um, we absolutely know we're going to get a rushing contribution. And then the the schedule through the end of the fantasy playoffs is great. Um, I don't know how long he's going to be the Ravens quarterback, at least a week. Um, he's going to get Pittsburgh, then he's going to get Cleveland, Atlanta, Pittsburgh again. That is just not a murderer's row of defenses. So uh, that is something that I would think Huntley could take advantage of. And I'm sure that Lamar can take advantage of it when he returns. I definitely agree that Jared Goff, um, I'd prefer him if I'm in need at quarterback. You know, if I've been Aaron Rodgers is like your QB two in a super flex. Yeah, uh, I, I have Aaron Rodgers as my QB two in my super flex dynasty. Like, I wish I had Jared Goff around. By the way, Jared Goff has been like the subject of, of football Twitter this morning, which I've just checked in on here and there again, not participating because I like my life and I like my sanity. Jared Goff is like a perfect like a perfect example of how dumb people are about quarterbacks like. <laughs> like a quarterback can just be fine. Okay. Like he doesn't yeah, have to be yeah. great. He doesn't like yeah. the numbers can lie to you about a quarterback like Jared Goff with like the efficiency and all this sort of stuff. But at the same time, he can be not trash. Like it's fine for Jared Goff to just be okay. You know, like if he can be like and the, the Detroit Lions have a good situation. The offensive line is good. I'm on Brown's a baller and they've got dudes coming back. Like this is don't, 
don't try so hard to make it like controversial that Jared Goff is is productive. Of course, of course, he's productive in this situation because like we think that we think there's good coaches there in Detroit, like and they've got good players. And Jared Goff isn't like Baker Mayfield bad. He's just yeah. uh, he's just fine. He's fine. Yeah, no, he's part of a, a huge middle ground of quarterbacks um, who, by the way, deserve their money because there's not even, you know, there's not even enough of those guys to go around necessarily in the NFL um, where and, and Goff has always struck me as somebody like if you if a defense puts extreme heat on Jared Goff, he's probably going to do something funny along the way. Um, but that's, yeah, that, that's most guys. Right? <laughs> right? Like that's almost every quarterback. Um, very few of them can be like insanely creative and, and, uh, you know, wriggle themselves out of situations that, that almost no one could like, there's, I don't know, what are there, what are there four, five, like yeah. truly elite quarterbacks, but we want to have the conversation about these guys as if you're either just elite or you are an absolute trash bag that the franchise has to move on from. Um, but it's, but it's never that easy. Because everybody's chasing those elite guys, and there's just there's there's just not enough to go around. Yeah, I feel like the Rams give it, like dumping Goff in such a harsh public fashion probably made like everybody count the, Jared Goff's flaws against him twice, like counting them twice against him, which is pretty unfair. Um, speaking of unfair, Andy, plus if he, you need plus help, he also he also he also came into the league with this idea that like he was just a puppet on you know Sean McVay's <laughs> outstretched hand, right? Yeah, like, totally. Immediately, that, that was the, the narrative. Yeah, there, there's yeah, that was the de- he's definitely been like a narrative defined quarterback. But yeah, he's just a perfectly like average starting quarterback, and that's fine. Like that's fine for him to be that guy. Um, speaking of unfair, Andy. The tight end position has been very unfair for us in fantasy. Um, you're, we're, we're running long here, but do you have any quick solutions here at the tight end position for the people out there? That yeah, this is one where I actually think the most interesting guy uh, is is probably Daniel Bellinger because um, he was he was he was getting interesting early in the season before the eye injury, and the eye injury was plenty scary, right? Like he had double vision right. for multiple weeks, um, uh, facial fracture, uh, so that was worrisome. But he came back. The double vision is gone. And caught all five of his targets against Washington. He he was a guy who like in his in his final full game before the injury played like ninety percent of the snaps. Like he he wasn't coming off the field. And um, now he returns to the Giants at a point where they just have a desperate need for uh, receiving talent. And uh, so I I kind of feel like Daniel Bellinger's best best games are ahead of him. Best matchups are ahead of him. Um, he's got Minnesota coming up during the fantasy playoffs. That's a really friendly spot. So got a couple of deep leagues where I've added him and I'm I'm content with it. I am no longer seeking like, you know, whichever tight end just happened to go off. Like I think Bellinger can be good from here on out. Other guys that I think can be at least helpful to fantasy managers. Uh, Evan Ingram had a nice enough day. He's got Tennessee coming up. Noah Fant found the end zone. He's got Carolina coming up and then a couple of really thorny matchups. He's got San Francisco out there still. You know, I, I probably got to mention Greg Dulcich, uh, even though he had appeared to flatline. He uh, he came up with six catches, 85 yards, which within the context of like Denver's passing game is is uh, <laughs> like a miraculous achievement. Yeah, for real. <laughs> and no Colton Sutton now for uh for probably a couple of weeks of the hamstring injury. So yeah. it should just be I mean, I guess but Greg Dulce is probably my favorite guy on this list. Uh so if he's out there, I, I do like that one. Let's move into drops, Andy. Um you mentioned TDP. I think it was kind of surprising to me that people thought there was any clarity that like there like as to who the 49ers backup running back is. Um now there was not heading into this week. Yeah. Now there is, and it's Jordan Mason, not TDP. So I agree with you on that one. 
Yeah, we had to reach all the way back to week two to come up with a reason why it might be TDP, right? Which in the NFL, that's just forever ago. That that might as well be like, you know, something that happened in like the 80s, right? Like week two is your different team. Uh, and so evidently that had no relevance and Jordan Mason was the guy. So like any other flyer you took on a, on a San Francisco back, you can, you can cut him loose. And the other guy that I would just mention is James Robinson. Like I, I would have come, I, you know, I did come into week 13 in two leagues that are, they're real, real deep. One of them is 16 teams. One is 20 teams. And I, and I kept James Robinson around, uh, just, just wondering if he would have any sort of role. He barely had a role. Like it was, it was pure, like, um, rotational supporting Zonovan Knight. Like that's Zonovan Knight's job right now. Totally. Uh, for me, it's Brandon Cooks and Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson, as you know, no longer plays for the Rams, plays for the Jaguars. He was a healthy scratch with Travis Etienne out there. So he's purely like a, I mean, he might be he might be worth sashing your 20-team league, might, just in case Travis Etienne gets hurt. But even then, pretty big stretch. I think you could drop him if you held on to him as any sort of, like, potential uh, backup, you know, stash option uh, behind Travis Etienne. And Brandon Cooks, man, I know it feels weird to cut the, names, the name Brandon Cooks, but, like, he's hurt. All that stuff we said about Nico Collins with Kyle Allen applies to Brandon Cooks, except, like, Nico Collins is A, healthy, and B, in some sense, at least in a maybe perhaps a, a less public sense isn't like d d like wants to be with the Texans. We know Brandon yeah, Cooks is not, not. He's not <laughs> currently mad that he's a member of the Texans. Yeah. I mean, he's probably, he probably not like happy about it. Right. Like I think if he allowed <laughs> his, his mind to wander and was like, I, you know, I'd, yeah, I'd love to play for another NFL team. He's not actively pissed about it and letting, letting other folks know uh, yeah. publicly, at least maybe, he, maybe Nico Collins is talking to a family member or two and, you know, a friend and saying, you know what, it'd be real nice if I played uh, for the chiefs, right? Like that would be really cool, but he's not <laughs> like, he's not actively wish casting it into the universe. Like Brandon cooks is. So yeah, he's really he's looking no at Justin. He's looking at Justin Watson's routes and his job. And he's like, how do I, how do I get there? <sighs> I mean, I think he'd take, I think he'd take less than that, honestly, at this point, but yeah, so I think like, even if Brandon Cooks comes back and he has like a couple of games, who cares? Like the upside is yeah. maybe 70 yards and a touchdown. Let somebody else have that. You can go ahead and like stash a backup running back, stash a wide receiver who might get a get loose. Uh, I, I think you can just go ahead and cut Brandon Cooks. Let's move to hold on loosely here, Andy. Uh, you mentioned Jeff Wilson earlier. He's my pick for this one. Uh, frustrating game, weird game, but I still wonder if there was a bit more of an injury question there uh, than we than we thought like remember he got hurt in that Texans game and like Tyreek Hill kind of scooted him off the field very strangely yeah, yeah. um and then we didn't really hear much more after that I, I just wonder if might there might be an injury situation there but I'd hold on to him just to see if uh, anything changes for next week yeah he also just like he had a couple of ugly moments uh right. relatively early in that game as a receiver and um and I, I feel like Miami just gave up on the idea of running the football right like Raheem right. Mostert had get the carries, Chargers next week though <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is what I'd been eyeing on all the teams that have like I started Jeff Wilson. I'm embarrassed by the number of leagues in which I started Jeff Wilson. I lost in all of them. I'm sure this is just a bloodbath <laughs> week for me. Um, my hold on loosely guy was George Pickens. Um, he's another part of the failure that was uh, week 13 for my fantasy portfolio. I'd, I'd certainly talked myself into him having a huge week against Atlanta. 
the the guy makes like a, just a mutant level catch every week um and then was was barely targeted uh in in week 13 which was kind of outrageous and he wasn't too happy about it afterwards which is i no. will see if he we'll see if he gets the diva receiver treatment and gets uh gets fed in the week ahead it mike tomlin doesn't strike me as somebody who uh would be particularly eager to do that for a rookie but uh we'll see he's he's a huge talent uh we know that so i I can't cut him loose. Um, per, perhaps there are leagues out there where I don't know. You got you got eight teams, and you can't really wait on a guy. Um, that fine, um, but uh, I'm I'm not cutting loose George Pickens because I, I I just think he's an insane talent. Two yards, two yards. Uh, I wish I had had the stones to take the under on uh, when you threw the or was you or Tank threw that out there on fantasy football live because I was in on Deontay Johnson, which was like he miraculously got 60 yards, right? And yeah. be over on his prop. What a what a miracle on that one. But wish I'd have the stones to take that. Yeah, I, somebody sent me in in my Discord, sent me the clip of him, uh, George Pickens not being happy about the lack of, and for a couple of reasons. One, uh, because I am on hyper alert as to like who's the second year receiver that I can't m- get myself too high on because they're going to go the way of Brandon Ayuk <laughs> and Elijah Moore and like getting beef with their team. And George Pickens certainly seems like the, the 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 good candidate. By the way, like I read the comments on on that tweet, and like Steelers fans either feel like one way or another about it, like, and it's probably because they have like extreme Antonio Brown PTSD as to like, oh my god, please yeah, let's not right. let's not find ourselves in that situation again. It's either like. Yeah, George is right. Get him the ball more, or like, oh my God, no, we've got another Antonio Brown on our, you know. So like, it's a, uh, it's, it's funny to see how people react to stuff like that. But we'll see what happens with George Pickens next week. Yeah, there's also uh, so many people in that fan base who love Kenny Pickett too and are rooting so hard for Kenny Pickett. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting team, that's for sure. Please change offensive coordinators in the offseason. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> please. Uh, all right, last thing here, our Treviso Babes update. Unfortunately, I keep saying this. I had a long conversation with my mom on Friday. Again, we mostly talked about uh, fantasy football for 90% of it, which is a new fun wrinkle in our our relationship as as mother-son that (laughs) what we talk about (laughs) is fantasy football now. Um, I told her, I was like, yeah, unfortunately, we're going to kind of stop talking about you guys because, like, you're not that interesting anymore. Uh, Like, the most aggressive drop in the league was Tyler Boyd. And, like, I can kind of get – by the way, Tyler Boyd dropped the ball himself, like, on Sunday. So. Uh, yeah, there's not Leslie added Jamison Williams. I thought that was the most chalk ad of all time based on her, um, right. Her, her submission earlier this year on being a huge Alabama fan and also a fan of fast wide receivers. I'm like, yep, well that one checks out. That's about all the updates I have that are minorly interesting with Treviso babes. Cause they've gotten too sharp, Andy. Yeah, no, I'm sure the I'm sure the people making moves right now are the most competent managers who've been the most attentive. Plus, they had, you know, they they had the tutorial from from you, right? And I'm sure um That you, was kind of the downfall. Yeah, out. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have I shouldn't have done like the 45-minute Zoom call I had with them where ever since then it's like these Treviso Babes updates have gotten less and less interesting because they've gotten better and better at fantasy football. So, um all I really care about now in this league at this point, you know, sorry to the other babes who are listening uh i just want my mom to make the playoffs like i i again it would be so embarrassing and she's gonna be it is a bad look for you if bev doesn't make the playoffs yeah it's a horrible look for me and she's gonna let me hear about it so all i care about at this point is just let let's get let's get bev i don't care if she's the fourth seed third seed second seed first seed because there's only four teams going to the playoffs for whatever reason she just got to make the playoffs okay that's all i ask i don't care if she wins it I just care that she makes the playoffs. 
Yeah, you can't be in that situation where like it's it's the year 2045 and you're sitting around the table at Thanksgiving and Bev is like, you you remember in 2022 when I didn't make the playoffs because you didn't help me enough? Yeah, you don't want that. That sounds about right. That's definitely my future. So we need we need <laughs> we need her to make the playoffs. But Andy, that is going to do it for us. Glad you got to talk about a couple of good players along the way and not just your usual dust balls. We got a whole CD <laughs> Lamb section in there. Garrett Wilson pop for a second. Any Andy, anytime you just want to talk about something at the top of the show that isn't, you know, here's the tight end that might disappoint you this week and the streaming quarterback <laughs> that will certainly break your heart. You let me know and I'll put that thing on the outline. You're, you we are you are happy to we are happy to have you talking about actual good players, Andy. Oh my gosh, I almost timed it wrong. Like I don't I'm not usually like game watching right before we jump on the pod, but I had and like the last thing that I'd seen before we started talking was Garrett Wilson and I was like, "Oh my god, this is all I want to talk about for the next hour." Hey, I would have happily made the whole show an hour-long discussion about Garrett Wilson. Um to keep up with more of Andy's thoughts about actual good football players maybe no promises there you can follow him on twitter at andy barons you can also follow me on twitter at matt Harmon underscore byb and while you're there make yourself a better fantasy player and improve your timeline by following at yahoo fantasy you will not regret it austin eckler will be back tomorrow to talk about the Chargers' loss to the raiders and a whole lot more on a beefy episode of eckler's edge until then we're out